Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I really like to think of marketing as like building a house. Your content is kind of your foundation. And then your social media presence is kind of like the framework of the house. And then how you talk to people, how you engage, how welcoming you are, the community you're building is kind of like the decorations and the paint. I'm Allie Wolf, an Emmy-winning journalist and mom. I love interviewing women and experts who inspire us to create fulfilling lives and careers while embracing the messy and beautiful reality of being a mom. This is the Mom's Calling Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Mom's Calling. Today, we are diving deep into a topic that I haven't really gotten into on the show yet, marketing. So marketing is an essential and I think often overlooked piece of the puzzle whenever starting a business or a side hustle, especially if you are doing it on your own. And I think the reason is because it seems like it will be easy to market yourself on social media or create an email list or build your brand, getting clients, getting customers, but it's really not easy. And there's an art to it. There's a way to do it right and a way that your marketing could really mess up whatever you're trying to build, especially when it comes to social media. So we all have to market ourselves one way or another these days. Basically, if you are online or on social media, you are marketing yourself and creating your own personal brand and showing your business to the world. But are you doing it right? My guest today breaks it all down in a way that is easy to understand. And in this episode, you will get concrete tactics and tips for marketing your business, your service, or yourself. Tiffany Barry is a marketing coach, strategist, and consultant for women in coaching or service-based businesses. She's worked with hundreds of business owners and spent several years at one of the top email marketing software companies. She helps her clients find more clients, generate endless leads, and build more authority online. Plus, she helps them get visible without burning out which is such a key piece of the puzzle, especially if you are a mom. Tiffany lives in Atlanta with her four kids, ages toddler to teen. So I really love her perspective on work-life balance. She explains why she thinks it's total BS. And of course, we get into the do's and don'ts of marketing with hyper-specific tips for social media. Enjoy this episode. Tiffany, welcome to Mom's Calling. I'm excited to chat with you today. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Yes, and I want to start with your story. I know you were a young mother, so when you became a mother and launched your career while juggling having kids. I don't really have an idea of what an adult life looks like without children. My oldest was born just after my 19th birthday, so I spent my 18th year pregnant, you know, watching my friends go out. And so, you know, I've always just kind of grown my family alongside my career. While working toward her degree, Tiffany did freelance marketing work, and after graduating, she got a job at MailChimp, which opened her up to the world of online business. She also realized something else. 
the corporate world is not built for moms. Daycare hours are seven to five and you work, you know, till six. Elementary school gets out at three. So you find very quickly that it's just not built for you. And I remember being exhausted all the time. I had no time for my kids and I just knew that there was a better way. Tiffany hit a breaking point while on maternity leave with her fourth baby. I have to go completely full-time on my own or this isn't gonna work. Because she had already freelanced, she was prepared. I had the portfolio, I had testimonials, I had you know, worked with dozens and dozens and dozens of clients at that point. So I was able to leave corporate on maternity leave and not really look back since. So it's been an interesting journey, <laughs> but it was all marked by like, fight, like hitting my head up against a wall, realizing that if I wanted the life with my kids and my family that I wanted, that I was gonna have to make some kind of change and just focusing on doing the next right thing and not worrying so much about the 10 year plan. Yeah, I think that that's such a relatable experience because like daycare and and elementary school are not set up for a mother who works and it's so challenging. And I think that's one of my fascinations becoming a mom and leaving a really rigorous job. I'm like, how do other moms do it? Because I mean, not only are you up all night, but then you need to be there to pick them up and how do you work? So I want to get into marketing and social media a bit, because I think that there's a lot of moms out there who maybe they're launching something and it's, you know, they don't have that marketing degree. They don't have that marketing background. How do you recommend people think about marketing in this day and age where social media is so central to everything? So I think the first thing is to think about it as a relationship building tool. It's social media. So get social on it, you know, and I know that sounds really simple, but I think approaching social media as a way to build relationships and community rather than to find clients, I think is a really good first step because then you're not approaching every interaction as could I sell to this person? You're yeah. Gonna, Cause people can sense that really yes. strongly. And so yes. I wanted to get like so specific on that because it's hard to understand how to do that. And I think a lot of people make mistakes. So yes. can you explain like the right way to do it or the wrong way? So I think a lot of people kind of create content on social media and then expect it to attract people to them. And so they wait. And then when anybody nibbles, they jump on it. And I think that's such a huge mistake because like you said, people can sense it. Like if you are swimming around like a piranha in the river, you know, you're going to repel and chase away everybody who, who comes close to you because they're like, Oh no, they're going to eat me. So I think approaching, approaching the relationship as something that could potentially be long-term is you know, a good mindset to have. And then actually how to have conversations is I think the other piece that people kind of miss because they're like, you know, they want to ask, how are you doing? Like, oh, you're a mom. How, you know, what are your kids like? How old are they? Um, you know, I see you've been a coach. How did you get into that? But if that person has posted something in the last week and they've talked about that, you've instantly lost them. Or if they have something in their bio where they're, you know, like saying like corporate dropout turned business consultant, well, they've told you part of their story. So if you come in and say, how'd you get started? You've lost them. So I think people have to remember that, yes, it's a numbers game. How many people you talk to and 
of those people, you know, a certain percentage will convert to a client or a referral partner, but you have to stop thinking about the numbers long enough to remember that like, it does take extra time to build the relationship. So if somebody has, you know, corporate dropout in their bio, then you could say, you know, Hey, I, I did the exact same thing five years ago. How long have you been, you know, out of it? Like, how long have you been free? That is a really like, casual way to just talk to someone, you know, think about like, how do we actually talk to people? You know, we find things in we have in common, we build rapport, we get interested, genuinely interested in what they're doing and what they have to say. And then we go from there. And I think going from there is all about asking the right questions. I also think it can be confusing the marketing side of things. And then when it becomes sales, how do you think about that? So I like to think of everything as how could I help this person? When you're networking and talking to people, think of what bucket they'll fall into. Like you have your peer bucket, you've got, you know, collab and referral partners, you have potential clients, you know, and everybody you talk to is kind of going to get sifted into one of those buckets. But when you first start talking to them, you don't know where they're going to fall. Right. So you don't really know if it's going to turn into a sales conversation until you know if they need you and if you and what they actually need. So I like to ask them questions where the answer is going to give me the information I need to know where they've like which bucket they've fallen. So I might ask them like, Hey, I see that, you know, you just launched um, a brand new program. Do you support your, your coaching students by yourself? Or do you work with other coaches? Do you have a team supporting you? And those questions are maybe trying to get me to the answer of, are they a solopreneur or not? If they don't have a team, then that might be an opportunity where I can say, Hey, if you're solo, um, I just did a content repurposing training, you know, two weeks ago, I'd be more than happy to share if that might save you some time. And so I'm always looking at what kind of questions can I ask them so that they self-identify what they're struggling with or what they need. And then I can, I can come into that conversation with the idea of how can I serve them? Right. Okay. So if somebody is starting off and they're doing it on their own, where should they begin? Do you start creating content? I think it can be very daunting. Um, so what are the first steps? So I think a lot of times people kind of jump ahead of themselves and they think, oh, I need to run ads and get, you know, like quick clients. And I really like to think of marketing as like building a house. Your content is kind of your foundation. That's the foundation of your house. And then your social media presence is kind of like the framework of the house. It's all the beams that are inside. It's the electrical, right? And then how you talk to people, how you engage, how welcoming you are, the community you're building is kind of like the decorations and the paint. And mm. so all of it working together builds on itself. So I really believe in going, like picking one platform when you start and you can expand from there, pick like one place to go and have a social presence. It's proof that you're a valid business that's interactive and, and actually, you know, I mean, how many websites have you gone to and you call the number and it's disconnected, there's no credibility. A website is absolutely essential, but a social media presence shows that you're alive and doing business in the now. 
I like to think of your social media as like your party place. Like where do you want to have, where would you host a party? And you want to build that, not just where your, your ideal clients go, but where they go to solve their problems. You know, where do they go to find solutions? You know, if you're a, a, a kid's art, online kids art classes kind of um, leader, then, and your mom's search Pinterest for craft activities and ideas, Pinterest is your place because that's where they're actively going to find new ways to get crafty with their kids. And then once you choose that place, starting producing content is kind of like laying that foundation. And then everything you're doing on top of that just kind of starts building the house and creating a place that people want to come inside and hang out with you. That's totally a metaphor that clicks in the head. And so that's great. And I also think that talking about social media, this can be a really hard piece, especially if you are starting fresh, a new account. So I like the idea of focusing on one one platform, but how hard is it to grow these days? And do you recommend going to the newest platform? Because you know, you hear everyone saying TikTok, that's where you can grow because it's new. I don't even know if it's that new anymore, but that's what people were saying. So do you think that people should focus on their specific content and just who cares if it's quote unquote late or maybe go to the area where you can grow faster? There's definitely pros and cons to both. You know, the being an early adopter of a new platform can be a pro because you can establish a presence really quickly. But at the same time, I don't think that there, as long as there's a vibrant community and there's people using the platform, I don't think it's ever too late to join something. I think the key is to think about like, is this something that my people are going to use? You know, um, if, if your people are hanging out on TikTok, then absolutely go open a TikTok and have fun. You know, if your people are, are on Instagram, it's not too late to, to grow an Instagram account. I do think on some of the more established platforms, it is a little harder to get organic traction, but I think it's less about the platform and more just uh, the pay to play model starts to come into play. So, you know, we, we've seen that with Facebook business pages where organic is virtually non-existent um, and it is 100% pay to play almost all the time, but Facebook groups are an option on that platform. So sometimes it's it's less about am I am I too late or should I jump over here and more about like are my people there or do I think they're going to be there? A good example of that is Clubhouse. So Clubhouse came out and it was all over all of the female entrepreneur Facebook groups like join me here. I'm doing talks here. And the very, very early adopters were very quick to say, you know, I made 10 grand last week from my clubhouse. And I'm like, well, yeah, you were a month ahead of everybody figured out some kind of strategy, branded it. It's nothing new. It's basic marketing, but people want that. And they bought it. And now you're selling the dream that, but it might not be perfect for everybody. Yes and no, Clubhouse turned out to be great. Yes, for the people it was right for and no for the people who simply jumped on the bandwagon because it was something new and bright and shiny. So I think it's important to think about the intentionality behind the move if you're considering it. Okay, before we continue with the show, I want to talk a little about Noom. Noom uses the latest in behavioral science to empower people to take control of their health for good through a combination of psychology, technology, and human coaching 
on their platform to help millions of users meet their personal health and wellness goals. A lot of people face pressure to change themselves to fit other people's expectations, and the more freeing solution is to find things that work for you. Noom understands that everyone's weight loss journey is unique and what works for someone else doesn't necessarily mean it'll work for you. That's why Noom's approach adapts to your lifestyle. It's flexible and focuses on progress, not perfection, allowing you to work toward goals at a pace that's comfortable for you. Noom Weight makes it easy to start your weight loss journey and stay on track. Personalized lessons help you gain confidence and practical knowledge. One-on-one coaching and a cognitive behavioral approach teaches you how to be mindful of your habits. 75% of Noom Weight users finish the program and more than 60% that engage with the program kept the weight off for a year or more. So start building better habits for healthier long-term results. Sign up for your trial at Noom.com slash believe. That's Noom, N-O-O-M dot com slash believe, B-L-E-A-V. I think a lot of people approach social media and they're not having fun and they're like, this is what I have to do. And then it's really hard because people like to see people who are having fun, right? Yes. Yes. If you're not enjoying what you're doing in your business, stop because it's not helping you. It's wasting your energy. And it's like, it's just putting you faster um, down the road of burnout. And I've been there. Like I did all kinds of, when I was scaling up my marketing agency, we were doing, um, you know, very little consulting and mostly done for you. And, and so I had a team, I think at, at the highest point, we were invoicing 20 to $30,000 a month. And I had a team of eight to nine people, um, including some full-time employees and some contractors. And I was doing lots of things that we should be doing as an agency, but I was so burned out. And I scaled up, not thinking about what was this impact on my family? What was this impact on my, my friends, on my community, like on my own self. And it was just awful. And I wasn't having any fun. I wasn't enjoying being a business owner at all anymore. And that was just uh, depressing (laughs) and, and, and ultimately self-sabotaging, you know, I mean, took, I took a big reset because I wasn't enjoying myself. So if you, if marketing is unfamiliar territory and it's already harder for you, adding on more shoulds and more rules and more things that you just don't like is just setting yourself up for like massive failure in a, in a like defeating kind of way. So, you know, go where your people are and, and have fun doing what you do there. Like, you know, and if you're not having fun, change it. You set the rules. Like you're in business. This is your jam. You get to make the rules. We have best practices and guidelines and, and, you know, there are all kinds of people with wonderful areas of expertise that can help you, um, you know, see what the box is, but just because there is a box doesn't mean you have to operate solely within it. Right. And I think that that's a good point in maybe when you have the budget, hire and you're going to hire someone, maybe you want someone to help you with that. And that's where someone like you comes in, obviously talking about fun and, and burnout, you have four kids. And when you're doing something on your own and you're solo and you have goals and you want to hit these certain marks, it can be very easy to just work constantly, especially if you're on social media, it's like you're so sucked in. So how do you create those boundaries so you can still be 
a full person because the mm-hmm. whole point of having your own business is so you have some flexibility, right? Right. For me, I, I kind of set up one time blocking was huge. You know, like I blocked out my calendar. Um, you know, I had to reassess it constantly. You know, when, when COVID hit and shut down our schools, I was like, okay, well now I have to add in a block for homeschool because my kids are home now. And, um, so, so you, it, nothing has to be set in stone, but time blocking was really helpful for me. I looked at what parts of my day do I feel great for different activities? You know, I love to do my networking and my planning and my dreaming early in the morning because it's when my brain is waking up and ideas are flowing. Um, I don't do well doing client work first thing in the morning. Um, I buckle in and tend to do really well at that. Actually in the evening, I'm kind of a night owl. Um, and in the afternoon, I'm just way too distracted with the kids. And I structure my day as these are the times when I know my kids need me. These are the times when I need me, Uh, you know, I need to take a break. I need to go walk. I need to go work out. Um, And I like doing blocks with um, a specific type of activity rather than like do this at this time, like a a regimented schedule, because the time blocking gives me flexibility. And I'm also pretty transparent with my clients. Like I, I will say, you know, like, um, yeah, you need that, that file. It didn't download correctly. Sure. I have no problem sending that to you. I'm making dinner right now and I'm going to put my kids to bed. So I'll pop on later and you'll have it in your inbox before the morning. Um, you know, but I'm really transparent that like family is always first. Um, and so that sets the expectation with my clients that I don't expect them to have, you know, round the clock availability and they don't expect it of me either. You know, I think we have to kind of deprogram the way a lot of us were raised that like rest is not earned. There is, you do not deserve to get, you know, uh, eight hours of sleep. You just, you are allowed to have it period. You don't have to work to, to earn it. Um, You don't have to earn self-care. So we have to deprogram that. Uh, And, and I think a lot of us working from home really have to work on that. Yeah. I think that's great advice. Number one, when you sit down and you're like, okay, I have this huge to-do list, but it's not separated into categories. You're just spending so much time flipping between that you're not actually executing and you're not being effective. And also I just love the idea that this idea of I clock in at nine and clock out at five, it's just not, it's not the thing anymore. And I, I love the fact that you can flow in between being a mom and you know, being a businesswoman, but you can do it at home and you can be wearing sweatpants, but you can be just as professional. Right. <laughs> right? right. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, like my husband knows, like we, we both have things that we need to do together when the kids are asleep, you know, we want to hang out, we want to watch our shows. And then we typically are, you know, completely fine being alone too. Then, you know, we all have that social battery, even with each other. And, and so, you know, we have couple time where we're, you know, hanging out, doing whatever. And then, you know, I know that I like to work in the evening sometimes, not every night. Um, but like, if I, you know, I'm feeling a project and I don't want to do it tomorrow morning, I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll do it now. But I, I do the same thing with like evening time too, like flowing in and out, like, okay. You know, I spend some time with my husband. He's ready to go watch his anime by himself because I do not like it and I'm ready to go have some quiet time. And some nights that might mean taking a bath and reading a book. 
And some nights that might mean, Hey, like I'm feeling really inspired. I have an idea. I want to work on this project. I kind of said, you know, screw the rules. I didn't want to leave corporate to build like the cage of, you know, the metaphorical cage of corporate and build another one around myself where, you know, I don't ever work in the evenings and I don't ever work on the, I mean, if I want to, I, I give myself permission to, um, but I don't have to, I, but what I didn't want to do was build myself a nine to five schedule where I was, I was pretty much just working corporate for myself at home. Right. Right. And the fact is like, you may work the same amount of hours, but when it's on your terms, it feels different, right? Yes. 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 So much more fulfilling. (laughs) Yes. So I want to ask you what has been the best and worst advice that you've received or that you hear, and this can be related to marketing or mom life, um, whatever comes to mind for you, man, I think the best and worst is probably the same. It's the, the, uh, just talk to people advice. You know, you're, you're, you'll sign clients, you'll, you'll find coaching students. Uh, if you just talk to people and I feel like it's, it's great. Cause when you're first starting out, you absolutely need that because a lot of the initial anxiety when you're starting out is like, talking to people and getting in front of people and showing up and, and that's scary. And you need the push of like, yes, just go talk to everyone. But I think it's also the worst advice. Cause once you get to the point where you have three or four retainer clients, or, you know, your group coaching program is, you know, 25, 30 people strong, you know, you're making $5,000 a month. Once you're scaling up, beyond that, you no longer have time to just talk to people. You have to be really intentional about who you're talking to, how you're talking to them, what kind of, um, you know, partnerships and collaborations you're opening up space for in your, in your life, in your schedule. Um, and you can't just drop everything and say, yeah, I'll get on a sales call with you right now, or, or a client messages you and wants an update call. You can't just drop everything. You have lots of balls in the air, not to mention, you know, the, the ever changing needs of your family. So, so yeah, that, that would be kind of like the best and, and the worst because I think it's great advice when you're first starting, but I think that just talk to people has to get really a lot more dialed in to still be applicable when you are scaling up and you're no longer brand new. Okay. Got it. So kind of evaluating yourself and and really your time becomes worth more when you're Mm -hmm. further along and and your time is money. So that's a good tip. I'm wondering if you have a mom tip for maybe a newer mom, because you, like you said, you've been a mom, your pretty much your whole adult life. So mm-hmm. what lessons have you learned along the way that have been the most helpful or have gotten you through? Cause there's a lot of tough times with, with kids. I think, uh, that work-life balance is bullshit. <laughs> I think that's like the best, um, tip. I could give anyone. I know there's a lot of thoughts on that. And I think that's definitely the kind of statement that draws a line in the sand. People are either jumping to your side or they're very vehemently against it. For me, and I think the way that my brain works and the way that I like to work, the way my life is, trying to achieve this idea of work-life balance is like a race where the finish line keeps moving. It's not possible 
And I feel like it sets a lot of us up for like feeling like continual failures. Like the idea of work-life balance kind of puts this expectation in your head that like you should feel balanced all the time because you've got it figured out. And that's so not the case. Like trying to keep this idea of work-life balance is like saying all my balls have to stay in the air at all times. And God forbid I drop any of them. And the reality is, is you've got a few balls you need to keep in the air, you know, the, the health of your family, your self-care, you know, your, your client responsibilities. Yeah. Those need to stay pretty consistently up in the air, but like sometimes you set down the laundry ball. And sometimes you set down the, the volunteering in your kid's kindergarten class ball. And so you don't necessarily have to keep everything up in the air. You can, you can choose what you're focusing on and that can be enough. Like it doesn't all have to be this perfectly balanced symbiotic relationship where everything is working beautifully together at any given time. Yeah, I am with you. I I agree. And I think different times in your life are going to call for maybe more, your kids need you more in this phase, or you're going to dedicate more to your career in this phase. And it's never going to be the same. Now for a question from my previous guest. If you have more than one child, do you remember the day you realized that you needed two different sets of strategies and like two different parenting toolkits to parent each of them best? Yes. Um, So I pull for that specifically. I have to do that almost constantly. I have four children. So my first three are all five years apart. And then um, my, uh, my, my miracle accident baby came along as baby number four, and she's only less than two years apart from the youngest. We have you know, a teenager, a tween, a preschooler and a toddler all running around together and nothing works the same for all of them. So I'm very much a proponent of, of kind of more gentle parenting. You know, I grew up in a, in an abusive household. And so it was very staunchly adamant, you know, against hyper aggressive authoritarian and physical Um, you know, discipline methods. I come into parenting with a lot of baggage and, and break, you know, I'm kind of on a mission to break that generational trauma. My, my dad was abusive and he came from a family of abusers and I didn't want that in my life. I didn't want that in my kids. They wanted to break that cycle. And I found that a lot of the strategies that I learned as a business owner and working in corporate, when I was managing support teams are tactics, like channel switching tactics that I use with my own kids. I try to respect all of their autonomy and encourage independence. You know, with my toddler, that might mean you have to do this or this period. Like mommy has a sales call. I have a meeting. You can go play here or here. Ultimately they still have the choice but I'm still setting the parameters. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas that same type of strategy with my teenager might look more like, Hey, I have to get this done. I would like to partner with you on the best way to do that. What do you think is fair? But I think it really all starts from that place of like respecting that my kids have their own minds and their own feelings, um, and their own needs and seeing like, what in my toolbox can I pull out and use to meet those needs? Love that. Okay. The last thing is just share with everybody how they can get in touch and what you offer. I'm Tiffany E. Berry everywhere, including my website. Um, so I'm pretty easy to find. I'm pretty active on Instagram and LinkedIn. 
LinkedIn as well. And then I do a lot of, you know, blog articles on my website. I do have a marketing coaching program, um, you know, for anybody who's really struggling with how do I scale up and how do I do my marketing um, intentionally without burning myself out, especially if I have a family. And I also have a free masterclass that really kind of digs into the, the process of breaking down what does a big picture marketing look like? Everywhere that I am online, I try to make sure that I am, you know, providing value and helping people and, and ultimately like serving them. So that would be, that would be the best way to, to come and chat with me if, if they're interested. Well, Tiffany, thank you so much for sharing all of your insight and knowledge with us today. It was great. Thank you for having me. It was, it was a pleasure. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions, concerns, or suggestions, I want to hear from you. Send me an email to momscallingpod at gmail.com. If you like the show, be sure to rate and review this podcast. See you next week for another episode of Mom's Calling on the Believe Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.